BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The Incomparable, number 633, September 2022. Welcome back, everybody, to The Incomparable. I'm your host, Jason Snell. This is an episode about a Marvel movie. Yay, another Marvel movie was released. It was released on Disney Plus uh, recently, and so now everyone can see it. Even if you didn't go see it in the theater, you can just, like, go boop, boop with your clicker, and you get the Disney Plus, and you say, Thor love and thunder and then it plays a movie and then we're going to talk about that movie that plays when you do that thing that i just described uh and joining me to talk about the i can't believe this fourth thor movie (laughs) are the following wonderful people kathy campbell is here hi kathy hi please call me mighty kathy from here on out from here on out. all right the mighty kathy uh tony sindelar is also the mighty tony sindelar also joins us hi tony (laughs) Catchphrase. Uh, hi, Jason. Thank you for having me. And the mighty Chip Sutterth is also here. Hi, Chip. Hey, I think I figured out my catchphrase. Damn you, Tony. Mm. <laughs> uh, not that was Chip, not Tony. By the way, just to be clear, <laughs> Chip is Chip is not Tony. So yeah, four Thor movies. You know, if you'd asked me after one Thor movie, I would have said probably not. And if you asked me after two <laughs> Thor movies, I would have said definitely not. <laughs> no, no, yes. no, no, no. Um, but then Thor Ragnarok happened, right? It brought in Taika Waititi, and he changed the whole. He 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 got. Actually, the thing I like the most about the original Thor movie is that it's funny when he's on Earth, and it's kind of goofy. And I feel like Taika Waititi was like, yes. That is the tone we're looking for is funny, goofy, and then let's make it go into wild space things. These are space gods. They're Viking space gods. And Thor Ragnarok was a hit. People loved it. It's a really, really great movie. And so uh, after the whole, you know, they had to they had to have Thor be in, in the Avengers movies and kill Thanos, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And now it's like, okay. Let's do another one of those Thor movies with Taika Waititi, and it's Love and Thunder. And when they announced it a bazillion years ago, uh, the real surprise was that uh, that that Natalie Portman was going to come back uh, because she sort of faded away from the Thor universe. <laughs> faded away or retreated in the background. Ran away with the second one. Decided, was unavailable no. for future movies. Yes. <laughs> uh, and yet she's, ba- she's back in this, picking up a storyline that's actually really recent in terms of the comics, which is of Jane Foster becoming Thor. Um, 
And when they announced that, I thought, are they going to do the other part? Because, you know, it's kind of important. The other part of that comic story is that she's dying of cancer <laughs> and she's also being Thor. And there's this really kind of poignant um, c- balancing point between those two aspects of her personality. And the answer uh, it was not really, they didn't put that in the trailer, strangely enough. But yeah, it's in the movie. That's that's what that's what part of this story is. Um, so, you know, I, I, I don't know where to start. I, I think uh, it, it does feel a little bit like they're trying to get the band back together, right? With this, I, I do feel like Ragnarok hangs over this whole movie. Like, can we do Ragnarok again? And, and unfortunately, I think like you can't. Like that was a that was a special kind of thing. And they're trying. Taika Waititi is trying real hard to to play all those notes again. And although I like this movie overall, I did feel like at several points that it was. Um, trying to live up to something that maybe um and, and replay the notes that maybe it should have just left alone and tried something different does that make sense it does i think that when you look at ragnarok it's like people suddenly realize you can do this with thor and then taika waititi and kevin feige get together and say we should do this again with thor and they're it's not this moment of discovery. It's this moment of trying to recapture and one up themselves on it. And we'll get into it when you do, when we do the rundown. But um, yeah, I, I agree with you completely, Jason. It's, there's a lot to like about this. I will, t- I, I will identify the moment when my opinion toward this movie shifted from really to, okay, I'm, I'm on board now. <laughs> uh, but it took me a while to get there. I have to be honest. And I am a, I'm a Thor Stan. I am, as has been repeated many times on this podcast, I'm big into Walt Simonson Thor, and I have sung songs about Beta Ray Bill. Mm, it's true. It took me a while for this one. I love Ragnarok, and I also really enjoyed Love and Thunder, but I agree, it they it was it was trying a little too hard and yet because it's Taika Waititi it's still so much better than so many other movies that you almost can't compare Love and Thunder to Ragnarok because Ragnarok is so special you have to compare it to oh i don't know Thor 2 or oh, don't. <laughs> literally don't anything else Thor 2 again. <laughs> uh, and I was so excited that Natalie Portman was in this because I adore her and I think that it was really smart of her to come back, but also how they used her. And I thought it was it was really special. It had those moments of 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 poignancy, mm-hmm. I think, um, that helped stabilize it a little bit, but not too much. Tony, what do you think? I, I love Taika Waititi's work. Uh, I don't know if I've seen anything that he's done that I did not enjoy. And some of his stuff, I think, is just amazing. Uh, this is probably a little bit toward the bottom of the pile in terms of uh, my, his stuff that uh, and, and how I feel about it. Uh, I think this is a fine Marvel movie. It's a good Marvel movie. It's fun and en- enjoyable. It has some l- lovely moments in it and some hilarious moments that, you know, you're going to get from a Taika Waititi uh, piece. Uh, but it there's it's, I think, significantly lacking in some uh, some cohesion. And, you know, if, if you start to look at the uh, edges of stuff and there's some like just... 
I think the tone shifts are a little wild in this, and there's just some weird stuff kind of stapled into it, which, you know, I think all Marvel movies have a little bit where it's like, you know, we're trying to make a movie, but it also has to fit into our overarching plans for the mm. MCU and whatnot. Uh, so, yeah, you know, I did not dislike this movie. I certainly enjoyed watching it. But, you know, this is a much more kind of middle of the road uh, Marvel movie for me. It's not one that, like, I'm super uh, psyched to go watch again uh, right away. Uh, and, th- and that's a little disappointing coming off of uh, Thor Ragnarok, which was, uh, you know, w- was uh, reigniting a lot of energy around Marvel. Um, so, you know, it, yeah, it's, it's not bad, but it's not amazing. It's not going to change your life and change how you feel about Thor. Um, and it's got some stuff in it that's kind of clunky. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's tough to live up to Ragnarok. I think that is part of the issue. And whether they tried to avoid it or not, I mean, it, either way, you're going to end up having to be compared to it. And that was kind of a magic little movie. And this is um, is different. One of my intros that I was toying with doing for this podcast was saying, Christian Bale, Russell Crowe, Natalie Portman, it could be a prestige Oscar picture. Yeah. It's yeah. Thor Four. <laughs> And so I wanted to talk about, so, so we mentioned Natalie Portman. She's great. She gets to wear the Thor outfit, but we also get this other story that's going on, which is that she's dying. And we get the scene early on with, uh, where, uh, where she gets, she's in the hospital and she gets like a, she she gets like a voicemail from, um, Oh, Stellan Skarsgård, is it? It's the, it's the, the, yeah, as, as, as Selvig, who's like, oh, I couldn't be there, but I hope you're doing okay. Yeah. And, and, yeah, and Kat Dennings actually appears in, in a scene with her, but it's very much like, you basically, you're dying. And she's like, oh, but I'm going to um, have positive thoughts and work on my science in the meantime. And then she gets this, the premise of the movie is she kind of gets this call from, Mjolnir, the the hammer, who we you know thought well is shattered and destroyed by, uh, by Hela in Thor Ragnarok, and, and so she becomes Thor. Although I think that's actually one of the weird choices in this movie is that although it's really great when she shows up and it's like, well, wait a second, it's Natalie Portman, she's Thor, and Thor has that moment where she's like, what, Jane, and that's great, but. I don't know. I feel like I really missed out on seeing Jane. Like we see her like at new Asgard and then we don't see her again. It's like, I kind of want to see her become Thor, right? Like I kind of want that magical thing to happen on screen. And instead the movie says, no, no, no. It's better if we see Thor get excited that Jane is there. It's like, I don't know if I agree with that. Yeah, especially because we kind of have this little uh, mini story at the start of the movie where it's like Thor and the Guardians of the Galaxy. Remember them? They're still here and they're doing stuff and, you know, they're on an adventure and it's it's and it's narrated, narrated by Korg. Right. And it's like it would have been nice to maybe (laughs) also get that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, It would have been nice to maybe get some, you know, the Mighty Thor version of that. Given that you think the the uh, the movie is going to be uh, a lot more about her than it is, yeah. I mean, it's great that she came back, and it's great that the character got actually to be like a more fleshed out character than any previous occurrence for it. Um, Have Kat Dennings still, do a narration yeah. that's a parallel narration that's telling Jane's story or something right. that might be fun. Yeah, that would have been amazing. Once again, um, poor female uh, superheroes get a story that is not as great as it should be. Well, 
Yeah, I mean, it's and it's great that she's in it and what they do with her is great, but it's still the fact that they make the choice to have it be, well, no, Thor realizing it's Jane is more important than seeing her actually meet the hammer and become yeah. Thor. I'm like, yeah. is it? I'm not sure I, I, I agree with that. Like, I get that this is a Thor movie, but she also is Thor and that's sort of the point of it. And so I was I was let down by that. Tony, you mentioned Guardians of the Galaxy, and I wonder if this is, has to do with Chip's uh, disappointment, but I love the Guardians of the Galaxy. I love Thor with the Garli- Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, I always fun. thought that was yeah. a really fun combination. And yet it felt so obligatory. It felt like, well, Lifeless. we last saw Lifeless. him with them, so we must show them together and then and we say have goodbye. to remind you. That you know, it's like this is basically also an ad for the next Guardians of the right. Galaxy movie, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, remember these guys? You're gonna give us money to see them again soon. Holiday special this fall, new movie next spring. Come on. Yeah, they're even credited at the end as and the Guardians of the Galaxy. And the scene, you know, where they're they're doing adventures and they're fighting and they're on this weird planet with two bizarre alien races fighting each other. And Thor does the thing where he like does a split kick between two, I don't know, space motorcycle things. Yeah. Like, that's <laughs> driven that's by, all. Driven by owls. Driven by biker <laughs> right? owls. Yeah, that is all great. I'm not saying any of that is bad. It's mainly just that we got that instead of perhaps other things. And, you know, it is an interesting twist on the comics and the comics. The identity of Mighty Thor is like a a mystery and they spend a lot of time like, who could it be be under the helmet? And, you know, the the marketing for this uh, movie made it very clear who it was going to be. So I'm glad they did. Natalie Portman at Comic-Con and the trailers. Yeah, you know, and I'm glad they didn't see any need to uh, repeat that. Um, But it's hard. This is a movie that is crowded with a lot of characters and a lot of motivations, a lot of things. You know, they have a villain that is slightly more fleshed out than I think think your average Marvel mm-hmm. villain in that, you know, I think, you know, yeah. th- there's a decent number of Marvel movies where uh, the villain or at least their motivation is completely forgettable. And, um, you know, Christian Bale, uh, he's, uh, he's not a forgettable uh, performer, uh, but it's just there's so much kind of stuff in here. You know, we want Valkyrie in here. We want Korg in here. It's just there's there's, there's kind of moving the, parts. Yeah, there's a lot of moving parts. Right. You, you've got Zeus as a secondary antagonist. You know, there's a lot of stuff. There's a a lot of set pieces there's a lot of scenery chewing and it's all great but it's a little little crowded um yeah and you know bless his heart this is a uh appropriately length movie this is like a two-hour movie not, not two hours and 40 minutes or, or something ridiculous right yeah that's a lot that's but, a lot to do in it two does hours feel like you so- know a lot of choices to remove things were not made, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like we'll put it. I all mean, in there. Yeah. you get to mile. You get to uh, why did I say mile marker? You get to uh, time code twenty five fifty nine, and Peter Quill says, "You're really dragging this out." <laughs> I mean, <laughs> earlier there we have mm-hmm. the Guardians of the Galaxy literally rolling their eyes at Thor mm-hmm. while he's doing the bike splits. So, yeah, your your point is well mm-hmm. taken. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and that scene is the ideas in that scene are fun, but the 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 scene goes on a long. It's a it's multiple time. scenes, right? Yeah. I mean, it's like there's there's the setup for it, there's the the big fight, there's the fallout from it, there's the awarding of goats. I mean, you know, then there's the goats on the ship. <laughs> Lots of goats, <laughs> you know. Lots yeah, there's a, of yeah. goats. There's the and so I well I appreciate again, like I said, I like Thor with the Guardians of the Galaxy. I like that, but like. We all know this isn't a movie where Thor teams up with the Guardians of the Galaxy. I would see that movie. That would be a lot of fun. But like, if if it's not that movie, why do we spend half an hour where Thor is just trying to like 
well, sorry, where the Guardians of the Galaxy are trying to get rid of Thor. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I just, I, I, it just seems like the wrong place to spend your time mm-hmm. yeah. in a yeah. movie like this. I, I wonder how many changes were in place because of COVID. Like, we know that this was planned to, like, begin production in, like, 2020. And I wonder if they had to make changes because they knew that maybe, like, Guardians of the Galaxy, whatever, 3, 6, 12, whatever, 3, couldn't get made. Like, did they have to do a little reconstruction? They pushed everything back, but it's possible. I mean, this is the eternal question with COVID movies, like yes. how Doctor Strange was supposed to be before the Spider-Man movie, and instead they had to rewrite both so that the one, the other one caused the other, and it was the wrong yeah. order, but they just had to go with it because that's how the release dates fell. And so, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I think they pushed these both back, but it was more like, well, when we last saw Thor, he was with the Guardian, so we have to deal with it. And then Taika Waititi probably said, well, awesome. That's fun. I'll spend kind of the first act of my movie... Mm-hmm uh just hanging around it's just that you know knowing what i know about what this movie is going to be they're not going to be in it and so it seemed like a really extended prologue and again i don't yeah. i don't want to overstate it but cuz I, I there's a lot of fun stuff in it including as we mentioned biker space owls biker owls <laughs> yep they're great uh and then thor breaks the crystal city um the, the oh holiest place for the whole alien race and that it's was like oops really funny <laughs> i did laugh Which, out loud at that That's a Thor. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Okay, so we mentioned uh, Christian Bale. We should talk about him. Yes, it is. It's Batman in a different role. And also interesting that this is another very recent uh, last 10 years comic book character. I think it's interesting that Marvel has been plumbing uh, more modern like actually during the existence of the MCU comic yeah. book takes, I think, I think those investments in using their comics as their intellectual property lab are starting to pay off. So this is Gore, the God butcher. He is, uh, he, he, uh, is the last of his race. His daughter dies and then he survives long enough to find his God, um, who doesn't care about them at all. And he gets the necro sword, which is an, eternal thingy that kills gods who says he pick me up and i'll kill i'll kill your god and it'll all be good and so he does that and he's like okay now i'm gonna kill all the gods and it's like oh no okay i get it thor also a god so this is i see where this is going but as we mentioned earlier like christian bale is is a very good actor and gore has a real i mean i, I wouldn't put him at like um, Black Panther villain. Yeah, level. I mean that's the that's the top, right? It's a gold yeah. standard, yeah. right? Killmonger yeah. is like, you know, you have a really good point. Your methods are objectionable, but like, you have a great point. <laughs> but Gore yeah. is close. I mean, he yeah, he has a good argument, right? Which is these gods, they aren't actually gods, and they're awful. <laughs> so yep. I'm going to kill them all. It 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 
was a great example of showing a parent losing their child and yeah. turning to the dark side and and being able to uh th- this is this is what um Scarlet Witch's story should have been. Mm. Mm. So Gore is not exactly a household name. No. Now few of the now Iron Man wasn't even a household name in 2008 uh if you're talking about the general population but um uh, Gore is not Doctor Doom. He is not Magneto. He is not the Red Skull. Uh, any of if if you've had any history with if you have any history with Marvel comics, but you haven't read any recent ones, you wouldn't know this character. And I've been out of the comics for a while now, so this is not exactly an iconic villain. He's no, no. more iconic than Malekith, uh, but he is played by an act- actor who actually wants to be there. Um, I, I don't know. I, Gore felt flat to me because I guess I'm used to being spoon fed, um, heroes that I read about in my teens yeah, and twenties. He, he's, so. he, he's a comic book character, but only really in the sense that they told a story about him and this yeah. movie tells that same story. So he's much more like a, you know, regular fiction character who had a story about him. He's not an iconic villain who returns again and again and again, but he's a good one-shot villain because his motivation is really interesting and that i think jason aaron maybe wrote that series of thor that 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 talked about gore anyway it was a good it was a good story because it was something you hadn't really seen before this guy who's who's dedicated to killing all the gods which we know since this is a thor comic slash movie we know where that's going um and and yeah he he plays it well like i mean big (laughs) headline christian bale pretty good actor um <laughs> and is given that the, the grief of his daughter and the betrayal that he feels toward his god um for the for allowing his daughter to die is i think one of the secret successes of this movie is this movie is simultaneously absurd and about real serious yes. things issues of grief Cancer, and mortality child death yeah yeah um, yeah well and and natalie portman dealing with with you know jane is dying and yeah. jane's sort of trying to avoid it but realizing she can't avoid it and th- those are i mean in a movie with screaming space goats <laughs> and biker um, space owls yeah it's pretty surprising right like it it, it manages to try to find some grounding in a movie that could Mm -hmm. seem otherwise to be utterly ungrounded. And I kind of admire that about it, that again, this is Taika Waititi saying, I could just, I'm just going to do it because I think most people would be like, Hmm, is that going a little too far? And Taika Waititi doesn't seem to know what too far is. I mean, in the end, the movie is uh, uh, surprisingly more about parenthood uh, than than you think, you know, Gore's motivation is about parenthood. But there have been a lot of I lose somebody, now I become a villain kind of turns. And then the kids being kidnapped, yep. that's a Yo, standard yep. trope there as well. But then we'll get to the end and suddenly, no, the movie is actually entirely about parenthood. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it's also about um, coming to terms with mortality, although you could argue that that's all wrapped up in parenthood, too, is you you have your children and then you're, you've done your job. But I, I think that the way that Jane's story is handled is is really touching in that regard too but you're right chip it is about that that's and again 
set on this canvas this ridiculous this is like a velvet painting of a like a rainbow <laughs> space unicorn yeah on like, the side of a van yes, yes. yeah <laughs> it's just i mean it's even arguably more than ragnarok like it's it's further out in the kind of things it tries to pull and so to have some emotional grounding like again I had a moment and I'm going to I'm going to hearken back to when we did uh, our Man of Steel episode and I complained about how, you know, those two guys are fighting and it's like they're invulnerable and the city's being destroyed around them. And like, who cares? Because they're invulnerable. And I was thinking about the, the flip side of that in this movie, which is, look, it's gods and god killers with uh, magical eternal swords. And like, how how does punching resolve anything in this movie it, can't, it literally can't and and you come yeah. to the point where you realize the only way for this movie to work is for the emotional stakes to exist because that's what's going to win or lose this battle is the emotional stakes because it is so and, and i wish more superhero and the like movies understood that because you know they're all infinitely powerful essentially if you want them to be if the plot requires them to be and so having somebody overpower somebody else in the end is not it's it's completely arbitrary and uninteresting what's interesting is the emotional journey that the characters take so thor's relationship with jane and jane understanding her mortality and embracing the fact that she can be a hero by understanding that she's going to die at the end of it but she still needs to do it and gore having his moment at the end where he's he's been planning on making the movie ends with him making a wish people it's very weird Uh, but his having his wish be to bring his daughter back to life instead of having his wish be that every all the gods die and 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 then thor having to adopt gore's daughter and take her you know take her with him all of those things are emotional resolutions not who's going to whose sword or hammer or whatever is going to beat the other guy because it's ridiculous it's like it's completely anyway that's my that's my rant is they they had to do that and they did it and that's one of the things i admire about this movie is that it 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 knows that it has to do it that way because there's no other alternative and that's what i think is really special about taika watiti is the fact that he is able to make those balances so even though it's absolutely ridiculous and you know it's going to be ridiculous if you saw ragnarok Mm -hmm. but it it still has those moments of poignancy, those moments of, oh, let me think about what I would do if the gods killed my child type of a a moment, Mm -hmm. as well as, you know, this idea of love and loss and the fact that Thor already lost Jane, but then didn't. And now he's really going to lose her and how that affects him and his life and everything that he's done. And just like, it's so complicated. And he lost his mom and his dad and his hammer as, as Matt Damon once again (laughs) in yet another cameo acts out for us. So Thor's got his Thor's like, he's his his vulnerable side we've seen for the last little while and so he he's sort of more in touch with himself than in his emotions than he was before yep. which is good and it's basically making it okay to have these emotions to have these moments yeah. and you can still be big scary god killer and and make a choice uh for love and care and mm-hmm. support the tone of this movie and I, I can see how it might not work for some people. There are some people in my household it didn't work for. But like, <laughs> I, it's it's completely absurd. And 
I can see how people who take their superhero movies a little more seriously than I do, and I love them, don't get me wrong, but they're ridiculous. And one of the things I kind of loved about this movie is that this movie understands that they're ridiculous. Yes. And I, I, again, if that's not your thing, you might kind of be bugged by it or offended by it. I halfway through, I just shook my head and I said, this movie is the perfect tone for a superhero movie, which is we know. It's ridiculous, but just, you know, we're all having fun. And I, I, I love it. Uh, it's funny because, you know, Christian Bale's in this movie and boy, if his Batman movies were like, no, it's very serious, <laughs> right? And this movie's like, no, it's, hey, everybody, it's Korg. Oh, I'm also the director. And uh, we all know this is dumb, right? We're just having fun. <laughs> and it's just such a different tone. And I really admire it because I honestly... I think this is the right tone for a superhero movie is exactly oh, this. Yes. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> let your feelings out, Chip. Let, let them out. Let us know what you feel. So I first, in my defense, I rejected the Christian Bale Batman movies because I thought they were too serious. But I have a face of Poe sometimes. And um, Yes, I can get into a Marvel movie that starts off with a Joe Satriani-ish uh, fanfare over the credits and uh, and uh, Guns N' Roses playing Ooh, lots throughout of and all this other stuff. So yeah, not just one, not lots just one. Of Guns N' Roses. <laughs> all playing. the Guns N' Roses. But I think I think my sweet spot uh, for what you're talking about, Jason, is actually Ragnarok, and not this, because the. You know, we've got Matt Damon and Liam Hensworth uh, hanging out mm-hmm. doing uh, doing Thor so on Thor good. again, um, and it's great. But for the first half of this movie, I feel like the whole cast is doing Matt Damon and Liam mm. Hensworth, whereas Ragnarok just struck that balance for me a little bit. I get um, it. I get it. Like, uh, like I said, so, I understand why uh, yeah. why other people might not want to push it this far and i do agree there's a line where it becomes we don't actually it's almost like we don't respect the material anymore <laughs> we're ma- we're just and i hate right i like, hate myself for saying this because i feel like one of those humorless star wars fans you know <laughs> oh no um tony and, are you, yeah. you got to talk about batman and star wars now before we're <laughs> chip i'm writing a sternly worded letter right now to you i'm typing it out um, i apologize dean <laughs> okay. of batman university we lost our accreditation i'm not allowed to respond to that title anymore <laughs> um, yeah, no, I get it. I, like, I, and I think that's that's why because I've seen really polarizing responses to this movie, and it's funny because I ended this movie with a huge smile on my face, and I was like, that was exactly the right level of ludicrousness for a Marvel movie, and it's like they don't all have to be like, look, Marvel movies are doing lots of different tones. I wouldn't want every Marvel movie to be this ridiculous. No, definitely not. But mm-hmm. I did have a moment where I thought, you know what, that hit the spot. That was just goofy and and ridiculous, and I loved it. And and but I can see why a lot of other people felt like it was too much and there are points at it where it's like even i think that there are points in that movie where there where it's too much like the scream yeah. the screaming goats you know that's like one of those jokes that's really bad but then you repeat it enough times that it ends up being funny and then you keep doing it and then it's not funny anymore <laughs> Uh, screaming Request permission like to go ahead and tell you when i came around and start okay. and started <laughs> yes, to skip this movie Time code, one hour, 14 minutes, 40 seconds, tiny moon, the crash of the boat, mm. yep, and then the goat scream. And suddenly was I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. 
I give myself permission to laugh at the goats. That's now. the moment where it wraps around and the goats are funny. Yeah. It, yes. It is and the tiny moon, by the way, which I had a real like uh, Mar- Super Mario Galaxy feeling for, where because <laughs> we was walking the, around the a little, little prince. The little prince was the. It is yeah. the little prince. That's, it is yeah, defi- little definitely definitely the little prince. But I love that. I, I've said before, I love it when I see a movie that does something that I don't think I've actually seen in a movie before. Yeah. And when yes. they're running around on that little teeny tiny uh, planet or asteroid or whatever. Oh my gosh. And yes. chasing each other kind of around and the and curvature. And it's all black and white. And it, yeah. Yeah. That yeah. was, I was like, this is great. Like, I have never seen quite anything quite like this before. And like, it's novel and weird. And yes, they're in an area of space. So, so dark that all color has been leached out yeah. of it. Like, okay. <laughs> sure. Uh, that yeah. is a great yeah. moment. At that, at that point, at that point, I was in love. Um, and before that, the, the tonal fluctuations uh, were just too hard for me. Mm. After that moment, and weirdly enough, you know, I gave that gave me permission to love the movie. After that moment, the tone sort of settles down yeah. a little bit. It becomes does, a little yeah. more serious yeah. and and to my taste, a little more earnest. A little I'm, more conventional I'm, I'm, too. I'm an unfor- I'm an unfortunately earnest person. Oh. And um then that's when uh, that's when the feelings and the drama of the stuff really really feel right for me and they're not interspersed with all of the um Matt Damon, Lee Hensworth, the uh, mm-hmm. level of the stuff feel. that bounce. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I I think for me, maybe what trips me up is a little bit. It's the combination of the tone sw- switches combined with some like weird pivots in the story that feel like stapled together. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I think especially when it goes, there's the pivot from Gore is going to go and kill all the gods. And it's like, well, that's that's not great. We don't like that, I guess. But then we meet all the gods, and it turns out they're not so great either. <laughs> and then yeah. it's like, well, you know, I mean, like, Zeus is in charge of all of them, and he's not, I mean, like, I don't know. Like, that seems like they can work that out. Um, and then he steals a bunch of children, and then it turns out that it's not that he wants to kill all the gods, it's that he needs Stormbreaker, right, as a MacGuffin. Right. And, you know, the, the, we kind of have this thread in this movie, which I think is is generally fun, where we have we the, we have these three sentient weapons, or or some kind of sentience to them, right? Uh, the Necrosword is is evil and has corrupted Gore, and uh, you know, Stormbreaker is jealous of uh, Mjolnir, <laughs> and Mjolnir is, I guess... Trying to protect Jane, though it's yeah. unclear. Also, possibly killing her. Think there's a little things get a little hand wavy there. I think for mm-hmm. me, uh, but I, I felt like it was that pivot from gonna kill all gods to actually really focused on Thor, and so gonna object a bunch of children as a trap for Thor. Like, I guess that was that was where I was like, what's this? What's this movie about? Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think that was, I think, and you know, I think it's, it works pretty great as a, as a theme park ride, which, you know, I think is not, to me is not a slight against, uh, fun action movies. It's just some parts of the magic trick. You're like, wait, why, why is this happening now? There's some um, things that are, you, you said stapled together. And I think that, I think there's real yeah. truth in that where it's sort of like, well, we need to get to, from point A to point B here. And it's hard. Cause you know, I, I'm not. <laughs> I'm in favor of saving children. Let me just come clean as that. <laughs> Thank you. But good her. on you, Tony. Yeah, but suddenly, but like the motivation from we need to save all gods, and it's like, do we? To it's like, well, he has stolen a, a collection of children, and that's real bad. Um, it, it just suddenly there's like a weird switching of stakes that is is yeah. kind of confusing as to as to what Gore really cares about, and the you know the children in peril. 
it just feels a little cheap, I guess, as, yeah, <laughs> as, I, a, as a thing. I'm not know? a fan of the children in peril thing. I think this movie tries to give it a real light touch, which I think is the right way to do it. Like we, Thor keeps appearing there and talking to them and there's like mm-hmm. comedy while Thor is with them. While, while the children are locked up in like a bone cage. Right. Yes. Yeah. And yet, yeah. and yet there's yeah. kind of, and, yet. And, and, it, and it's headed for the moment where the, the, they are all given the power of Thor and that rousing yes. thing in the climax. And what and the kids is more motivating than child? Child soldiers rushing right. in to save the day. Yeah, oh, I know. This is uh, this is what I'm saying. Is there is a read of this movie where it's like, well, first the children are are in peril, and then they are turned into child soldiers, and it's like, yes. And I read an article, a whole article about how this was movie was awful because of that. And I thought to myself, yeah, but the the tone of the movie is not I mean, the way you're describing it, right? Like yeah, the movie's like, I mean, there's yeah. a little girl shooting lightning bolts out of her stuffed, stuffed uh, bunny. It's not, <laughs> yeah. you know, to fight, and to fight shadow monsters, right? That are like these, yeah. it's children fighting nightmares, right? Yeah. It's Doctor yeah. Who-ish, in fact, it's, even yeah, a little bit. It, but it, I mean, it is, and it's unclear to me where those shadow monsters were really coming from or what's up with that, but like it's children know. fighting these things that came out from under their bed in my head, right? I yes. mean, they're not, they're not, the, we are not seeing children getting cut down by, you know, gunfire or something, right? You know? And they're very yeah. obviously being, you know, owned by the power of the thunder gods. Yes. Like, yes. It, it made it, it was so ridiculous with the shining and the glowing and and the um, bodies of the children moving in ways that they wouldn't normally be moving that it didn't for me it didn't feel like did we just watch that is that what happened uh it it was okay not that child soldiers are ever okay yeah yeah. but this is I mean, a, we're empowering children to fight their, yes, their demons, yes. or their nightmares, right? This, yeah. this is the line Taika Waititi is trying to walk, right? Because he wants yeah. it to be, he wants that to be the moment where it's like the kids are empowered and they yeah. fight their, they fight their nightmares, and they're the children of the gods fighting the nightmares created by the guy who hates the gods. So, yeah. who's mourning his own child? Right? There's a lot going on there. But I was thinking. Um, Taika Waititi is also the guy who thinks he can get away with anything, right? Because of mm-hmm. the tone. And I'm reminded of that because of course he made Jojo Rabbit <laughs> in which right. in which he plays the imaginary friend of the of the main character who is Adolf Hitler. But yes. you know, funny. Um and it's <laughs> like for, you know, Taika Waititi and and you know Jojo I like Jojo Rabbit too, but it's like he seems to really believe that he can he really can just do anything and take it and make it light and funny. And and I think this is a I think it's a real litmus test where like I do not deny anybody looking at this movie and saying I don't like the kids in peril and I don't like the child soldiers thing I I totally get why you would say that and all I could say is if you buy into the ludicrous tone of the movie you you forgive it because you know that those are a fictional characters and b they are going to have their great moment um where they are victorious and all the you know those things happen but I totally get the f- level flat read of literally what's on the screen which is <laughs> child peril and then child soldiers uh fighting a battle at the end and I, I, I totally you know, get it. I- I, to me, it's just the whiplash from going from kind of the comic bookery uh, children with lightning bolts coming out of their eyes to, you know, they pass through the portal and it's like, oh, yeah, Jane is dying of cancer. Um, it, that yeah. That's the like, that's where I get the whiplash. I guess. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah. No, it's all it's all over the place. And 
Um, and I, like I said, I kind of admire it, but it is also just uh, like, and, uh. and I mean, I think some of that whiplash is intentional, uh, and it's sure. just, maybe it doesn't work with me. Uh, so maybe this is not a critique of Thor love and thunder. Maybe this is like, what's wrong with Tony Sindelar? How can we fix okay. him? Uh, <laughs> so, slightly, slightly smaller budget, s- smaller budget project. Um, <laughs> Let's make so, this uh, podcast. What's wrong with Tony yeah. Sindelar? Mm-hmm. There we All go. Right. All uh-huh. right. So, so if we're done, if we're done with that, then we can start the real podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome back everybody to what's wrong with Tony Sindelar. <laughs> is this an intervention? Did I- Surprise. <laughs> um, okay. So we, we skipped over um, a couple of things that we need to mm-hmm. address. Uh, on uh, I, I've got a happy note here, which is um, Valkyrie. I love Tessa Thompson. I I love her Valkyrie character. They never give her enough to do. She still Not doesn't. She time. still doesn't get enough to do. But I'll tell you, it feels to me like like because she doesn't need to be in this movie at all, right? Mm. I feel like this movie is trying very hard to get Valkyrie as present as it can in in a movie that otherwise doesn't really need her. Um, it does give Jane someone to talk to and uh, at a couple of points, which I think is good. And the character is great. I just had that thought, which is like, I appreciate that you shoehorned Valkyrie into this movie. Valkyrie is not a character who should be, sh- who should need to be shoehorned yeah, no. into anything. How do you feel about shoehorning Sif into this movie? Well, I mean, Sif, so. Sif is more like, hey, you guys remember Sif, right? Well, she <laughs> lost her arm, but it'll be fine. But Valkyrie, like, yeah. I, I like at every turn, and remembering she only was introduced in Ragnarok, but as then so, then appeared in the Avengers movies. But like, such a great character, and Taika Waititi wants to use her, but his movie kind of has no real role for her so she does some stuff and it's great but all it does what i'm trying to say is all it does is remind me that we need to see more of her than the movie or any other movie seems to be willing to give us of tessa thompson can we please have a valkyrie movie right i mean uh, i mean jane dies at the end of this movie so I i was thinking could you not do like a Thor movie with Jane <laughs> and yeah. and like I I understand why she dies and it's very poignant and I I like that choice but what it loses is the ability to have her be in another movie right. whereas uh, Valkyrie is still right she's right there people she's I mean right there Valkyrie Valkyrie in Ragnarok had dropped out and was sort of not involved and then made herself involved there's almost some sort of verisimilitude you know uh, and, and, and Tessa Thompson is like, do I really need to be here? But I'm enjoying being here. It's almost yeah. that same, almost that same level. She is loads, she is loads of fun. Um, I do like that they find an excuse to give her Zeus's thunderbolt so mm-hmm. that she is in the big fight scene, uh, in black and white world. She is on an absolute equal level with Thor and Thor. Yep. Um, and, uh, and yeah, uh, I, I see a place for her on Disney Plus. I see a place for her oh, in yes. a movie if you want to give it to her. Um, but Tessa Thompson and Valkyrie both seem to be comfortable being on the side, getting drunk, and commenting <laughs> on everything around them. Mm. 
I mean, I think there was a little bit of an attempt to like, can we have an adventure movie in here where it's not just Thor, it's Thor, it's Mighty Thor, it's Valkyrie and Korg. And it's just, it's, it didn't have enough Thor room family. to breathe. Yeah, yeah. Right. And it's Thor family to replace the Guardians of the Galaxy family. Uh, and I think they just didn't, you know, I feel like there's little bits of that in there when, when they're in, you know, uh, God city, uh, omnipotent city, but there's just, there's not enough of it. Um, and there's just, there's like, there's just, you know, there's a lot of Valkyrie like standing there in the background and, uh, you know, it's hard. We've got a lot of characters here and it's, it's clearly the movie is about Thor and Mighty Thor, Thor, Thor and Jane, uh, it, which just, that's, that's, there's a big shadow there that, yeah. um, is cast over, over Valkyrie. And, you know, I mean, Korg doesn't really get to do much in this movie other than be silly, um, and well, he does get to narrate part of the movie. <laughs> right. Um Yeah, and it, it is hard. That kind of squeezes out uh, uh, some 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 Valkyrie there. Yeah, but again, also she seems so superfluous at points that I I, I was grateful that they they included her. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But 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 still, it's not enough. <laughs> well, it's it's the same. Like they apparently Jeff Goldblum and Peter Dinklage came back too. Um, wow but their scenes were cut from the theatrical release because it, it's not a three hour long because movie. it's not a three hour long movie mm-hmm. and so they could have done you know had jeff goldblum have a single scene and and just be like hey yeah. we've got jeff and they I, did yeah. it i love, and I'm glad I love jeff goldblum but i don't i don't need that in this movie you know no. No. Um, they could have put no, they could have yeah. put peter english in it they could have had howard the duck in it they could have had beta ray yeah. bill in it sorry chip but like mm-hmm. I guess that will say that for Thor five. Really? Mm. Um, uh, five? Oh, no. He will return. Yeah. Well, I mean, Thor, I feel like, is not going anywhere in the Marvel Universe, but uh, I'm unclear whether they'll do more Thor movies or not. Like, again, this is the first fourth Marvel movie of any kind. Um, okay. We have He's to talk about it. He's got a place to go, though. Yeah. But we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. Um, let's talk about the thing that we haven't really touched on yet, which is the uh, little side trip to Omnipotent City. <laughs> where they visit the other, which which I think is just Mount Olympus in the comics, um, uh-huh. where they where they visit the other gods and they want them to all join up because the guy is coming to kill all the gods, so let's go kill him instead. And the response is basically, and they talk to Zeus, and the response is basically, look, here we can hide from him, so why would we leave? And they're like, but we must fight. And again, it's it goes how you might expect, uh, but. But um, so here, here's where I'm going to say some unkind things about this movie. I feel like this scene goes on forever. So uh, long. Resolves nothing. And I'm just going to say it. Russell Crowe, one of our great actors. I think this is a terrible performance. It's kind of like he's doing, I don't know, Mario. And <laughs> I, I, I think or Greek Mario. It is. It feels really like Russell Crowe made a decision to do a funny voice and everybody was looking at each other like, should we tell him? And they're like, no, I can't tell him. It's Russell Crowe. We'll just let him do it. Um, And he's mumbly. And I guess, you know, there's tonally it's like, well, oh, Zeus turns out to kind of be a jerk and uh, and a coward. And he's this spoilers for Greek mythology. Yeah, he's kind of a jerk. Yeah. But he's but and also a coward and also kind of a a mumbly, almost Marlon Brando-esque kind of mumbly island of Dr. Moreau. Marlon Brando, by the way, the bad Marlon Brando kind. Yeah. Um, I think it's a disaster and it's the worst thing in the movie. And I think Russell Crowe is the worst single thing in the entire movie 
All right. Well, I said I'll, 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 uh, I, I, I viewed it differently. Uh, I thought it was funny and has some great comedic moments in it. Uh, it, it does feel it, this, this is one of those parts that feels stapled in, in that they oh, go yeah. there, they learn nothing. Nope. No one joins them. They do nope. nothing. I guess they, yeah. And so that was like, you know, you, like, I, I was like, oh, clearly some God is going to pull them aside on their way out and be like, I am sympathetic to your cause. Let me come along with you. And it's nope. like, nope, we just leave and we just smash our goat boat through the <laughs> giant stained glass window and we're out. Um, but yeah. Tony, yeah. Jason, how can you, t- this, this scene was so essential because how would, how would they have figured out that Gore was seeking eternity if Zeus hadn't told them? Never mind that no, we had no reason to know why Zeus knew this. No, yeah. that 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 made the whole omnipotent city. I, you know what? Essential. I keep forgetting that eternity is even a thing because it gets dropped so late in the movie and has never been mentioned before. And they never get into the rules of like, so the first person to go there ever gets, gets a, a wish. wish. A wish. That's mm-hmm. the legend. How do we have a legend if only the first person gets a wish? Because um, Thor and Jane, Thor and Jane don't get a wish. So. Yeah, they had to keep this whole section scene thing for the uh, credit scene. Yeah. You know, well, that, you, you had to have that moment. That's what I thought. What thought that Chip was going for, which is, but but if we didn't have this interminable scene in, a, in an omnipotent <laughs> city, how would we get Brett Goldstein as Hercules in the mid-credit sequence? And mm. I, I've got a response for that, which is, hey, how about this? How about you introduce Hercules in this scene, and Zeus says, look. I'm not going to go, but you can take my boy. Right. He'll help you out. Okay. And then have Valid. Hercules join them for the final climactic yeah. fight and help the kids because we know that Roy Kent loves kids. Yeah. And, um, uh, yeah. and especially, you know, I don't know what they're going to do with the MCU version of Hercules, but you could totally see how Hercules and Thor and Mighty Thor would like clash heads as being yes, like, for you know, sure. and especially like, you know, that we in kind of a, a passing of the torch of the Peter Quill Thor, you know, smashing heads because they can't agree who is who's in charge and who's more, the alpha C bro, you know, like they could do that with Hercules, but no, we only we only paid for Brett Goldstein to stand there. So, I'll be fascinated know. to see how what they do there because there's not a lot of distance between Thor of Ragnarok and Love and Thunder and Hercules no, of the comics. There really right? isn't. Yeah, oh, are they just uh, setting Brett Goldstein up to replace Chris Hemsworth when Chris Hemsworth yeah. becomes too expensive? <laughs> I don't know. If he's he. It's probably close to being too expensive now. And that's I, why I mean, he's, one what last... else is he going to do? Right, that's true. Uh, I don't know. I, I should say, I totally understand why somebody would like Russell Crowe's performance. It is very particular. And if it works for you, it works for you. And I had that moment where I remember it was hanging in the balance. And I was like, do I like this? Um, do I like the Greek? Do I like the Greek accent? And I, like as I was watching it, I was like... No, I don't. I decided I don't. I just, but it is a choice. See, see, it is a it, choice. It is a very, very strong choice. It is. It is. You know. I mean, Taika Waititi has has not looked up the word subtlety yet. He's too busy doing awesome things. Uh, but yeah, no. To me, the idea that uh, you know the king of the gods is like your dirtbag uncle. Uh, I'm here for it. Well, so, all right. Yeah. In my in my ex- extensive research for this podcast, aka opening up the Wikipedia, Wikipedia, sure, yes, um, which of course we. We all know is a hundred percent factual oh, and is always this good, true. It, are we entering our I, our IMDb trivia portion of the <laughs> podcast? Uh, apparently, Russell Crowe wanted to do both, like wanted to do Greek, and Taika Waititi thought it would be too much, and Russell Crowe did 
scenes in both NYTD was like, okay, you can do it in Greek. In, in, in a Greek and a British accent, and, and they use the Greek accent. I, I don't know if I believe that or not, but it's a, you know what? I would dislike this. Uh, if, if this was a super weird Russell Crowe cameo where he was in one scene and said nonsense in a Greek accent and then went away, I would be like, ah, that was great. That was so strange. The problem is it's embedded in this yes. very long, unnecessary scene in Omnipotent City that doesn't need to be in the mm-hmm. movie. Yep. I um, mean, we do get to see yeah. naked Thor. Yeah. <laughs> which you know, look, the jokes. Point. Those some of my favorite jokes are in that part. I like when the screaming goats break into the thing and and say, "Let's get out of here." Also, because it means that we're out of here. Yes, uh, I like it when Korg is strapped to the back of Valkyrie's head. And when yeah, yeah, but when Thor when it's like you whip you whip too hard or whatever, and all his clothes Clips, come right. off. Yeah, that's that's really funny. That's a really good bit. <laughs> like I really and all the honestly. I know it's cheap, but like once Thor is naked, all the all the young uh, ladies yes. who are around Zeus start going, oh, it's like something right out of uh, like Beauty and the Beast or something like yes. that, where it's the where where it's just they're they're all just like, oh my god, uh, because Thor is you know naked. Uh, I thought that was all funny too, very broad but very funny. It was just again, there was a lot of yeah. omnipotent city, <laughs> more than I think I would have liked. And also, also not weird enough. I got to be honest. I wanted more weird gods in it than there were. There were some weird gods, but like we got to see them, but they didn't do anything. No. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah, I guess. I don't know. I, it's like we could have had. The, where was the movie where they're just hanging out there for an hour and Korg is chatting with all the weird people? <laughs> Get ready, Tony, because I'm going to do a Star Wars yeah. thing here. Right. Oh. Is it about cloaks? Is it about cloaks? Oh, it is cloaks? This scene is much more like a scene in a movie where they go to the Senate and have a debate. It is. Where where you say, look at all of the aliens when you know what it should have been. Should have been the cantina, right? They should have gone to God City and met up with Zeus in the God City bar where there's lots of weird gods with lots of weird... Oh, he's got the round booth at the back. Oh, it's great. Yeah. And there's jokes about the weird gods. It's hard. There's a floating dais coming down in a Senate will just never be cool. It's not like, going to no, work, right? It doesn't work. I'm sorry. It's been ruined for everything. I mean, if, um, they, if we had yeah. seen E.T. In, there, we would have been like, wait a second, is E.T. a god? Uh, that would have mm. been interesting, and I would have had lots of questions, but no. Anyway. No, Jason, that's just the god that E.T. worships. Or even, yes. even yes. throw in another cameo. You know, I love... <laughs> the men in black joke of weird people that are seen as aliens like do that Mm. for one of the gods too like let Mm. just like have somebody that i don't i don't even know have Have madonna there yeah have one of the eternals there oh yeah oh right right that would be like uh what is what is the comic now i'm never going to remember it but there's that comic about how the gods come back to life and uh indie it's an indie comic so yeah totally divine yeah, that's it. So totally have like Annie Lennox there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, Stevie okay. Nicks. Got Girl, it. Yeah. Like- <laughs> now it makes it. Or, or I mean, Slash. Okay. Put Slash in it. You got all the guns and roses. Right. Or <laughs> just have uh, Slash there with his top hat. And they're like, oh, I Keith get it. Richards. Why you're good at the guitar. Yeah. Nobody exactly. knows why he's still alive. Like just. It turns he's out he's, a, he's, he's a a one of the gods. Yep. Could have done it. And we know he'll do silly things because he did pirates. So it is it is part it is, I think, perhaps the part where it's it's the most like, look at all this stuff that we made with CGI and there's the set is huge. And then they're they're fighting 
guards or like robot ghosts or something in front of Zeus, but it's like we don't these people don't have names, we don't care about them. Uh it is perhaps the part that looks like the most kind of like all of this just happened on a green screen. Kind yeah. Of, yeah. Do gods you know? have robots? Does that how does that work? I don't know. They like evaporated when they got stabbed, so because yeah, of ghosts sort yeah. of or, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, they're not like there's not like a god of guards is there because he's he's dead now. Yeah. Um, so. So. So they do end up traveling to um the the, the so the, the we, we get the moment where they go to the to save the kids. And it turns out that it is a, a, a fake out because what they need is Stormbreaker because it will open the bi- Bifrost. And that's the whole key is the Bifrost will get them to eternity where there's the magic wishing well. Um and so that leads us to our kind of final uh final fight where thor leaves jane behind because jane is getting sicker because when she is thor she's actually not able to heal herself which again i don't think is super like i get why they're doing it and i get what's in the comics but it's inconsistent right because originally we're told it's going to make her better but she's already very sick so it's not it can't really make her sicker it can just make not make her better it's 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 you really got to kind of take a leap there but the idea is that she stays behind and thor is gonna go and and find the kids which he does and he gives them the power of thor which is a great callback right it's like you're all worthy and you all have the power of thor and so they are fighting the shadows while he tries to stop gore but of course jane and mjolnir senses that that uh, thor is in trouble and so jane appears to save the day and um and they 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 stop Gore, but he gets his wish. He gets, oh, I hate the, I hate it when you stop the guy, but you don't prevent him from going through the the door to the magic realm, and uh, and that that leads you to your emotional. Your, you, I mean, Jane sacrificing herself to save Thor is is part of the emotional climax, and then we're left with that last little bit, which I thought was really interestingly done, where they go through the door and suddenly they're just like in the water. Yeah. And it's and they're in this weird null kind of state. Um, and this is where they have the conversation with Gore, which is like, well, what do you want to do here? You've got one wish. You can kill all the gods or you could bring your daughter back to life. So do you choose love or do you choose hate? What are you? Is there anything left of Gore now after the Necro Sword and after all the killing you've done? Is there anything left of you? Because there's clearly only one decision you can make here. Are you capable of making it? And, you know, he, he does after Turns out he can after getting a promise from Thor, basically like, well, when I'm gone, will you take care of her? And, and yeah. so and, and 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 then so that's the that's what I was saying before. I like the emotional climax because what else could it be? What, like, literally, how else could you end this movie? I mean, they could have done it. And we've seen these types of things happen where the best choice to have an emotional ending for a movie is not picked and they made the correct choice this time so good job taika watiti yeah with kind of a big you know pivot for this character now where thor is a dad right i mean i I, like and i you know i don't know when we'll see thor again but it would be to me pretty uh pretty bad if they just kind of ignored that right exactly he should be pretty busy right um you know raising this child to be a superhero or whatever they're gonna be uh you know if valkyrie is in the next avengers movie as the babysitter oh my god i don't gosh. like that no. no no i mean i i feel like this could be the end for movies starring thor not that we wouldn't see thor right but it feels like he's got he's got stuff to do now for the next 
I don't know, 12 years. So he's until that got, kid goes to goes to space college or whatever. Um, he's got a place to go, I think. And this yeah. is why I think that, uh, you know, whether he's whether Chris Hemsworth does another Thor movie or uh, shows up in another Avengers movie or whatever. Um, I think that they have taken goofy Thor as far as they can, mm-hmm. um, at least far enough for my taste. And this is coming from a guy who didn't absolutely hate uh, Thor 2. Um, but, uh, we've done, we've done funny Thor, uh, or if you care, or if you prefer Thor with a personality, um, let's have him, let's have him with a different personality. Let's have dad Thor. He's got to grow uh, up. Let's see him. Right. Yeah, I mean, part exactly. of Thor's God story is that he is the heir to Odin. And theoretically at some point, you know, Thor grows up and takes his responsibility seriously and is a is a father and well, is a important member of the Asgard community, I guess. Oh, oh, Jason, bad bad news about Asgard. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, okay, important important part of the coastal Norway new, community. The new Asgard, the yeah. new Asgard community. Okay, well, they they've got like a great leader. So So here we yeah, this is this is this is how we have Thor at Dad Thor come is we have a Valkyrie movie uh all mm-hmm. about uh new Asgard politics. I want to see <laughs> their HOA meetings. I want to oh, no. see mm-hmm. the Here, Here's parental... my pitch. Kathy, here's Ooh, my yes, pitch. Yes, give me give me give is me. the next the next movie is a Valkyrie movie and the story is that Thor She's bored of being the king. Mm-hmm. And so Thor takes her place as king. As, and it's sort of like everybody loves that because everybody remembers Odin and wasn't he great? Um, and, well, I mean, he after he died, yeah, they destroyed sorry. his planet. So yeah, I guess yeah. he was pretty good. He kept his... Did he, did he keep his planet from exploding? Uh, check. All yeah. right. Good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so Valkyrie gets to go off and have adventures while Thor stays back at home mm-hmm. with, uh, with the kids at at uh, new asgard and so yeah. thor is like a more of a more of a sidekick and and mentor slash advisor character while valkyrie is off uh i don't know fighting crime solving mysteries whatever <laughs> she does we'll work that part out yeah. that's not part like of my mark pitch. ruffalo and she hulk mm-hmm. sure Ooh. sure but yeah you're right thor thor four movies later right like i, I feel like we've they've they have progressed thor to the point where this is a good place for him to be responsible and grow up a little bit and, and i mean they, the way they played him is not just goofy thor but also thor who thor who's been through a lot and 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 doesn't know what he's supposed to do with his life yeah, and, yeah. And no so asgard in, no hammer no brother no father no mother yeah it's, so in that yeah. in thor that case therapy, please. the end the end <laughs> yeah. of this movie is really like thor's got a purpose again like thor mm-hmm. thor he's still always going to be a kind of the sunny personality and going from place he to has place someone but like, to take care of yeah. yeah, yeah, and 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 I like that. And if they do more with this character, I think that's really interesting that he's he he's more like that now. And he you know he doesn't have the Jane Foster jokes anymore. He expressed his love for her. She died, but there's not more like uh, you know the movie starts and he's like, no, no, it's fine. We you know we just didn't <laughs> we didn't break up. Uh, we just went our separate yeah. ways or whatever. Like, <laughs> by the end, he's kind of like got over it, and they've had their moment together. And then she's passed away and. Um, great post-credit scene, by the way. Uh, any chance to see Idris Elba again as yes, Heimdall yes. and have him welcome her to the gates of Valhalla? Uh, loved it, loved it. What a yeah. great little yeah. moment, yeah. right? You Perfection. did it. You 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 totally deserve to be in Valhalla as the mighty Thor. Uh, loved it. 
That was great. All right. Well, you know, again, I, I, I liked this movie a lot, but I also understand why it's, it wouldn't necessarily be everyone's cup of tea. And I would actually say, addition to not liking the Russell Crowe stuff, um, <laughs> what I said at the beginning is what I'll come back to here at the end, which is, I think its biggest issue is that it's trying to live up to Ragnarok and it, you know, and it can't, but what could like it, it, that, that Ragnarok movie, I feel it was just like a, a perfect storm of, of creativity ah, and the yes. time in the, in the Marvel cinematic universe for a, a change of pace. And it was new and it was interesting and it was a new voice with Taika Waititi. And this movie is, you know, it's never going to be as fresh because it's another Taika Waititi Thor movie. Yeah. Um, and I think it's good, but I think, I think that it, 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 part of its struggle is trying to figure out like Thor, what it wants to be and how it can live up to its past. And, you know, and, and I just think that that's, that it's it's still a good movie i just don't think it's it's something that can live up to that other movie it just it just can't do it what do you all think as you know we used to live in a peaceful oasis but then our gods were murdered the movie has in the opening act an as you know bob yes uh, <laughs> um, it does so yeah so uh, so I, that's just my way of saying i'm right there with you jason it's it's a mess um and it's just not as good as thor ragnarok but 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 for all of the mess in the end it did get me to a place where i really cared uh really cared about the characters and really felt something in the end uh felt stuff for jane felt stuff for thor as a dad um and and goat screaming into a tiny moon um <laughs> all of those pieces may not have added up to a perfect movie but they did work for me this movie was absolutely ridiculous and i loved it and even with russell crowe you know i'm on i'm on jason's team here where russell crowe was the worst part of the movie and that <laughs> scene was the worst very major i had flashbacks to les mis where same situation um but I finished the movie with a big smile on my face. I finished the movie almost like, oh, I want to watch this again, which is rare for most movies at all. Like I was excited to be on the podcast, so I had an excuse and a reason to watch it again. I liked how I felt while watching it as well as when it was done. And so I... I want more fun in my movies. I want more fun in my superhero movies. That's why I apparently am a Marvel girl, <laughs> not DC. Like, give me give me more humor. It doesn't have to be full-on Taika Waititi ridiculousness, but give me fun, give me joy, give me, like, excitement, as well as give me the emotional beats. Uh, you know, I'm a cynical jerk and I've got the parts that I don't like, uh, but at the end of the day, this is a movie I enjoyed. Uh, my life is better for having seen it. I will probably watch it again uh, at some point. I think I'm not as enthused as other people, but, you know, there's a lot of things that I watch where uh, I look at it and I'm like, nah, that was a waste of my time. That was a mistake. And this is far, far above that. So this is that is medium praise from Tony Sindelar. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair enough. I, I, like I said, I understand why this movie it has is sort of polarizing. Um, it's so, 
odd and it is sort of stapled together and it has lots of odd decisions and tone and is uh, all over the place and yeah and in the grand scheme of things it is better for a marvel uh mcu movie to be polarizing than forgettable yes yeah i think so also i, I don't know i mean this is a meta point about the whole mcu but like part of what i want out of an mcu anything movie or tv show is i'd like it to be different like we've we've been doing this for a decade now there have been so many movies and so many of these standard superhero beats have been beaten (laughs) (laughs) i I, I want to see i love it when i see something new and it can be new a new visual or a new tone or it can be a new character that is a, a different kind of person than we've seen before as a superhero. And there's lots of different ways to take that. There are lots of different variations on that. But I like I like it. What makes me sit up and enjoy a Marvel movie, um, and I love Marvel movies, right? But like what or or TV show, like make makes me notice it more is is it trying something different? Is it trying to be more than like the reason that I didn't love Falcon and the winter soldier in some ways was because it felt like it wasn't trying to be much of anything new. Um, and I think that was on purpose. I think it was as designed. Whereas WandaVision, you were like, what are you doing with, you know, a sitcom parody Marvel thing? And like, as it's gone on, like Moon Knight, it's like, oh, this is, this is, you're trying to do some, a very different kind of story. And Ant-Man was like that. And Doctor Strange was like that. Those are the things that I, I have come to appreciate a lot about MCU projects is, can you bring something different to the table? And did love and thunder bring something different to the table it did but it was also kind of following the ground that ragnarok had had uh had had walked and so that that's that's why i i you know i i i've got some caveats about it but ultimately um because it's so odd and has so many interesting tone choices in it like I'm going to give it to it because it was it 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 made me laugh with the choices it made and I I just don't want to be bored, right? I want to I want to when I see a Marvel thing, I want it to be I want it to be interesting in a new way. I want them to not be resting on their laurels and I think Ragnarok certainly did that. Love and Thunder did enough for me to feel that way. I could buy that. Yeah, I mean, it's weird, right? Like we've never had anything like this this Marvel machine right we've never had something with this many interlinked movies and tv shows and things and no this this late in the game that's that's sort of my litmus test is like did it do something interesting you know if it did if if it can break out of the machine and do something interesting then i'm intrigued by that that's what i want um and and they do it more than you'd expect actually i like i that's the thing i admire about what they've been doing is they actually are taking weird swings at it and not just resting on their laurels at its best uh, the marvel comics publishing history there have been times when you've had had bill Sienkiewicz new mutants and you've had ron friends jack kirby pastiches all being published at the same time all this stuff you're right jason i mean there's plenty of not only different characters, but different ways to tell adventure stories. And uh, this is a good time for Marvel right now where they are actually trying a bunch of different things. Yeah, yeah. No, they don't all work, but um, I appreciate that they're, I mean, recognizing that after Endgame, 
they were kind of like, okay, <laughs> now what? What do we do now? And it's like, we're yeah. let's let's. I, I know we said this on a previous podcast, but I'm just going to restate it here. The beauty of Marvel post Endgame is that they seem to have have taken as their rule book, like let's try a bunch of wacky stuff and see what happens. Yeah. Because right now we can we got all the money, and we're starting to build something new. So let's just try stuff, and it's not all going to work, but. Um, I'm so glad that they're trying that and not just going right back to let's just make another Iron Man with a different Iron Man, right? <laughs> like, mm, okay, maybe not that. Ironheart TV show, they'll do that, but that'll be different, right? That's the, <laughs> that's the idea. All right. Uh, fun time at the at the movies or in my living room watching Disney Plus and a fun time talking about it afterward with uh, you wonderful people. Let me thank my panelists, Tony Sindelar. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me, Jason Stone. Uh, not Tony, but Chip Sutterth. Thank you, Jason. I I know you hate to for for me to leave this podcast right now to ease the pain. Why don't you take this podcast as a parting gift? Um, where's Beta Ray Bill? <laughs> That's my question. Where is Beta Ray Bill? Maybe Valkyrie can find him. Yes in her movie kathy campbell thank you for being here thank you for having me jason it's one of your unicorns that they're they're painting on the velvet <laughs> painting with the yes, rainbow that exactly. is this movie that is the uh van that goes forth to have valkyrie lead the next mm-hmm. movie and thanks to everybody out there for listening to this episode of the incomparable we will see you next time <laughs>